This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, we said we'll be back once we had a lot of news to talk about, and I think it's fair to say we have a lot of news to talk about. I think of five signings it's last recorded, of course, two who we're familiar with, three who we're not so familiar with, and uh, the one the one glaring departure, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, in this episode. But before we get into all of that, let me introduce the rest of the gents on the call. Joe, how are you doing? Uh, some minor sunburn. I'm all right. <clears throat> Enjoying the weather. Um, starting to miss football a bit now, so it's uh, it's good that there's not too long until we're we're back in the thick of it. Yes, yeah, so Russian diamonds in a, in a few weeks, which um, well, whilst it's been a bit weak and a bit difficult, um, I'm sure plenty of us will be going to that one. So yeah, we good to get back to back to the action of it all. Ross, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing all all good, mate. Good to hear. Good to hear. Right, let's get stuck into the signings, I suppose. I mean, I suppose we'll start with a departure first of all, in with well, the glowing one, Harry Darley moving on to Swansea. Wasn't wasn't too much of a surprise. I think any any Don's fan who's watched majority of this majority of us this season knew that H was going to move on at some point. Um and you know, it happened to be to his former um the coach that brought him in really in, in a Harry in a Russell Martin and everyone like that, but you know, I think it's before before we get into the Richie Jones thoughts, I think it's important to mention that, you know, it's uh been a deal that is potentially been rumoured and what the fee is and things like that. You know, it's a it's a pretty good one for the club overall. And that will be well, probably has already been used in some senses, but I think overall will be used to bring in some decent players also, the ones that are gonna help us move towards top of the pitch later on the window. Um but yeah, I think um Ross, I think H is always going to move on and he goes to our best wishes ultimately. Yeah, obviously he, he was a fan's favourite. Um, but this is this is all part and parcel of the model of the club at the moment. We uh, obviously get young, high potential players in and um, we offload him. And obviously, fortunately, it's Harry Darling this time. And um, I think the impact he had last year, um, there was no really, well, for myself, there wasn't an element of surprise to me. Um, he's on a real trajectory at the moment. Um, and I really do think he will prosper in that Swansea team. Um, obviously, playing under Russ, we saw what he was like. And um, he's really came on leaps and bounds this, this season. And, uh, yeah, all I can really say is good luck to him. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I think he'll do well to beat his 10 goals from, from the previous season. But, yeah, he's, he's going to suit that system to a T and... One that was in some ways built around him to some extent, Joe. And, you know, he's, I think he's, uh, there's some talk about Premier League clubs going after him, but ultimately he's landing in Swansea. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it seems to have been a pretty good deal for the club as well. I mean, one year left on his deal. So 
it's a bit of a risk, you know, because even if we did get promoted, what's the guarantee that he would stay next year? Um, so, you know, to cash in on him, in, in a sense, um, strike while the iron's hot, secure a good deal with, um, it's rumoured to be good sell-on fees and add-ons as well. Um, and then, you know, uh, his, his replacement is, is came into the door a couple of days before, which I'm sure we'll get in, onto shortly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Darlin, he, he, he was nothing but professional for us. Fantastic player. Shame we couldn't see him for another season, but I think it's right that he's playing championship football next season. Yeah, exactly. You're getting, um, well, rumoured seven-figure fee um, overall for a player in, in his final year, and it's, it's good business overall. So some people saying it isn't, um, don't really understand how football works. But, yeah, that it think, is. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it's a good deal for everyone. So it's a good deal for H, his career, you know, career progression. It's a good deal for us because we've managed to cash in on one of our assets. And it's a good deal for Swansea because they get their defence and their style of play, like he suits to a T. So I think actually everyone can walk away from the deal pretty happy. Yeah, and like I said, we've got those sell-on fees and we know for a fact that he's going to do well in that Russell Martin system. So, you know, it's going to benefit us seeing him do well. So, you know, all best wishes to him and hopefully he... Uh, achieves what he wants to do because it's going to benefit us in the long run and who knows get the next Harry Darling and get the next players like that who are going to traject, get us to that level where we need to be and in the high levels of English football basically but yeah Joe alluded to it um, we'll start in terms of the signings that we made we'll start with Jack Tucker um, of course coming in from uh, Gillingham on technically a free transfer but I'm sure there's some conversation involved being that he was a, a Gillingham Academy graduate and he is um, under a certain age where conversation is due to the club, um, which I'm sure is yet to be agreed. But I imagine that we talk about it in the conversation with Matt in a second, but one which we'll think will be wrapped up fairly soon just because of it's sort of circumstances that both clubs are in. But besides the point, um, Jack Tucker, really talented player. And I'll hand over to our first in the fo- in focus segment with myself and Matt from Jills and the Blood chatting about Jack. Welcome back to the InFocus series where we take a look at MK Don's latest signings into the club. And this next one is quite an exciting one. Uh, Jack Tucker has come in from Gillingham, a 20-year-old centre-back. Um, and we've got one of the best people to chat about Gillingham, if not the best person to chat about Gillingham, onto the podcast once again, Matt from Gills in the Blood. So, Matt, how are you doing? You're too kind. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm very well, obviously. Waiting yes. for stuff to happen, like I think fans of every club are, aren't they? Looking looking out for signings and that person that's going to potentially win us the league because we all sit here believing at this time of year, don't we? But um, it's no surprise really that, that Jack Tucker was going to move on. I think that was quite clear come the end of the season that he was going to be moving on to pastures new. He's been here, been here, sorry, had been here for 15, 17, uh, 15 years, joined when he was seven and obviously 22 now. So he's moved on to MK Dons, I think. Probably two days ago when you got in touch with me about him, it wasn't guaranteed that he'd come in and be an automatic starter. But obviously there's potentially a gap that's opened up at the heart of your defence now with the news that, that Harry Darling's moved on to Swansea to team up with his former boss, Russell Martin. So it be interesting to see where Jack plays. Um, I think an MK Dons tweeted, uh, fan tweeted me last night and said, whereabouts in a back three could he feature? I said, well, predominantly he's played from the sides. He's never been the middle centre half. We didn't play a lot under Steve Evans, granted. Um, but obviously for the, the 20 games that, that Neil Harris was in charge, effectively, Jack played either left-hand or right-hand side of the three. Because I think he liked playing with a particular wing-back in Robbie McKenzie. So he, he'd stay the side that, that Robbie McKenzie was featuring, which was interesting. But I'm sure he'd be just as comfortable in the middle. Because obviously you've got Dean Lewington to be the left-sided centre-back, I'd imagine, and Warren O'Hora yes, yeah. be the, the right-hand-sided one. And you're not going to want to move everyone around just to accommodate one player. But I think the big question, Mark, over Jack would be whether he can play out from the back. I have no doubt that he will. I think he's a good footballer. He's played centre-midfield for us a few times last season when injuries came in. I'm not saying he's Andrea Perlo, don't get me wrong. And he's not going to start whizzing. 70-yard diags everywhere, but um, he's comfortable enough with both feet. He's decent enough with it. And you play a completely different game to what we play, where we just hit a front man really early and he was instructed to do that. But I'm sure if he gets the correct coaching and he plays with, no disrespect to us, better players, then then he'll improve. And he's, he's still a really good age, isn't he? Yeah. 
I suppose main question with regards to Jack's first full season starting games and his second full season starting games is that do you think he ultimately he bet he benefited playing with sort of a better setup around him at the time and therefore him whilst he whilst he'd have a few good performances standing out last season, he ultimately would be better in a setup like MK where there's really talented players around him and he's not one of those standout individuals where he has to step up and really contribute 10 times more than maybe he should do in a typical game. Time will tell. I'll, yeah, I, I guess I'll so. I imagine that's, that's, that'll be the proof in the pudding, won't it? We can only, you could probably ask me this question Christmas time or next April night and I'll be able to answer it properly, but I'd say it's, it's effectively three full seasons he's had, to be honest. He came in in the September of 2019, which was Steve Evans' first season in charge, came on at right back in the game, I think, and we drew one all at Bristol Rovers. And then he got in the side at centre-half, um, played alongside Max Amar, um, which is an interesting one because unfortunately Max has now been relegated in back-to-back seasons. But for that first season under, under Steve Evans, they were the centre-back pairing and they were very, very good together. Yeah. Um, so Jack's comfortable playing in a in a pair as well. Obviously, that's that's not going to happen at Stadium MK unless they I'd imagine unless there's a real raft of injuries or suspensions. Um, Jack's standards dropped 21-22. He's probably big enough to admit that there were some errors in games that cost us goals. Um, Rotherham final day of the season. He needs to just boot it into touch, and he, he tries to turn and, and come back inside and gets caught, and it's it's ends up being the final nail in the in the relegation coffin. But Jack Tucker's not the reason we got relegated to count for that as well. Yeah. Um, Sunderland away, 96th minute, got caught under a cross, allowed Nathan Broadhead to get on the blind side. But for me, he could have got out by his right back on that occasion because his right back can see right across that back line uh, and could shout Jack and say, look, you just got to drop a yard and then the problem doesn't come. We can also say that we could have defended that ball better and, and not allowed the cross to come in in the 96th minute. So, um, I think the other one that was being spoken about on Twitter over the last couple of days was was Morecambe away where he got spammed by Joel, uh, John Abika. But he's 22. Um, and I get that people say he's played 137 games. That is quite a lot. But he is still a kid. He's still learning. He's still improving. He's probably still developing in terms of his, his body. He'll still be filling out, I think. Um, I can't see how Jack Tucker won't be a relative success at MK Dons. Um, come back to your point, you said, will he be better with better players around him? Of course, that, that happens for anyone. Um, he's going to be coached a completely different way, so it'd be interesting to see how he adapts to that. But then it comes back to the age thing and, and the saying, you know, you can't treat an old, an old dog new tricks. He's still a puppy in terms of being a centre-back. He's, he's got... 10, 15 years, I think, in the modern game to potentially keep playing because of the fitness levels and everything around the game now. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if it, if he doesn't turn out to be a bargain. Yes. Yeah, and I think going back to that season just briefly also, there was, a, there was a lot of pressure on Jack last season, I feel. As you mentioned, you know, the previous season, there was high expectations of where he finished and set elements happened. And, you know, ultimately, as you said, he's a 22-year-old, 21-year-old at the start of the season being at the heart of that defence and having to really take it by its scruff its neck really and get it going. Mm. And whilst Harry Darling did that for us in some senses, he did have the, you know, the wise head of Dean Lewis to the left of him and the calm composed head of Warren O'Hara to the right of him. So there were some senses where he had that freedom to score 10 plus goals this season and not have to worry too much about how he played defensively because he knew he had the structure but in front of him and, and to the side of him to really make take that risk. And, I think it's fair to say Jack didn't have that at uh, Gillingham in some senses. And that's why his defensive stats are so good. And maybe his passing stats, which I think we'll get on to, you know, aren't particularly the greatest, especially in the short form of passing. I think long passing has been quite good at, but definitely short form is uh, one of the ones we need to improve at. But I think overall, you know, when you see he played every minute last season, he started 11 clean sheets in a, in a Gillingham team, which, um, you know, struggled. Uh, and then look, you look at 10 bookings. I think we're, we're used to seeing David Seaman picking up bookings, but I'm assuming that was mostly game management situations and things like that. Um, but yeah, he's a very intriguing player. And I think ultimately one of his key strengths, I'm sure you're going to mention anyway, Matt, in terms of defensively, he's probably one of the best defenders in the division on his day. And I think the stats prove that. I think he's got the potential to be one of the best defenders in the division. 
I'm not going to sit here and say that you're getting the finished article, not by any stretch. And again, yeah. I think Jack would be big enough to admit that. When he's at it, he's very, very good. But there are these, these lapses in concentration. And I think to come back to the thing about being able to play out from the back and play a possession-based game, I think Jack wanted to do that. There were times in games where I might be way off the mark, but I think he was finding some things of the game too easy. I'm not saying the fact that we was in a relegation battle, he's not finding that easy because no defender likes to, to play yeah. in games when you're, you're constantly under pressure and every time you edit or clear it, it keeps coming back. I just think there were facets of his game where he's very comfortable on the ball, but then he might think, oh, I'll take a chance. And it's and then you get caught out and then people get on your back, social media, that type of thing. So again, so again I can't see where he, how he's going to struggle in an MK Don setup. Um, and you mentioned having Harry Darling, who was almost able to neglect his defensive duties a little bit. We had Connor Masterson came in in January, in between Steve Evans leaving and um, Neil Harris taking over. So I think it was Steve Lovell who actually bought him to the club from QPR and loan. And I said a few times it was great in that back three that Connor Masterson was able to step out yeah. and step into midfield. And then obviously, if you're clever enough, with your fullbacks, they drop, your centre-halves drop in together, become compact. And then that, that centre-back almost becomes an, effect, an extra midfielder and you can play through the lines a bit differently to the way that we were playing, which was to hit for Dane Oliver. Um, so it might be that Jack naturally improves, organically improves by doing that, especially if he's that centre-centre-back, because you're saying now that he might be the one I that think goes be, yeah. plays in the middle. Yeah. Um, so he might be the one that steps out. And like I say, I think his range of passing is it's, it's adequate for this level. But again, it'll get better in a system that plays that way all the time. Um, we've seen him play holding midfield as part of a two or as the base of the diamond a few times. And I'm not saying that's his long-term career. It could well be, don't get me wrong. In a few years, we've seen centre-backs develop and, and, and push on further up the pitch. Um, but he'd certainly be someone who I think could be able to step out of defence and, and, and join in with the midfield players. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing that, you know, we are comparing Darling to Tucker. Mm-hmm. That one element is where we haven't really seen that much of Jack yet, but I feel that, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, there's definitely definitely potential to have that there and it's more giving them the opportunity to do that. And I think also because he, ha- he has got that defensive knack that I don't, I said, I think Darling's a good defender, but I don't think he had to really defend, to be honest. I feel like he could just be that road midfielder who could literally just run up the pitch and score a goal. Whereas I feel this season... You know, Jack, I think, might take a little time to adjust to not having that defensive ability when needed to. And he might just need to just boot up to uh, the winger or whoever striper got up front next season, which I don't know yet. But I do feel that, as you mentioned, it's it is hard. For, it's going to be hard for him to fail in some senses because I think the coaching staff and the team around him is so good already that he'd, he'd, I think he'd struggle to not progress on. But... I suppose it's just a sense of, you know, what is his actual ceiling in this team and can he potentially fight off? Say if no centre-back comes in, can he fight him off and actually start? But I'm sure he can based off, you know, championship teams were after him. You know, I think I think Reading were very close to signing him. The only reason they didn't was because of some financial restrictions they got cut currently. So I think in some senses we are fortunate to have Jack in this club right now. And I think he's a great defender, but and there's potential to be so much more and hopefully uh, the coaching team can... Uh, coach it into him essentially I think the other thing with Jack is what you've got to think about now is if this had been 18 months ago coming off the back of a season where we finished 10th or the second season where we finished 10th you'd have had to pay a fee because it would still been under contract yeah I think there were whispers we turned down nearly a million I think it was that might be way off the mark uh, a couple of Januaries ago but now it's either going to be sorted out amongst the clubs, hopefully, because then it means we get money quicker as well, um, or it's going to go to a tribunal. But we're not going to get as much as we'd have got if he was under contract. Sure. Then I think there comes less pressure. If this was Jack Tucker coming into a football club and everyone's like, oh, he's a million pound centre half, or he's a 750,000 pound centre half, then suddenly he's got to hit the ground running. Whereas now, you know, I mean, I don't know what the fear be. There was people comparing him to John Egan on Twitter over the weekend and said, I think we've got 500,000 for him or thereabouts. So I don't think it'll be that high personally. I don't think it'll be that high um, either because 
because of the fact that, that he's coming off the back of a season where he's been relegated and that you know, no footballer wants that on his CV. So we're probably looking at... 200 k maybe? I'd say 250 to 350,000. Yeah, yeah, right. Less pressure on that than there still was, like I say, if it was upwards of towards a million. Um, so we'll be able to settle in, hopefully go a little bit under the radar. Confident that once he's in the side, UMK Dons fans will all enjoy watching him. He's a very, he's got the potential to be a very good footballer. Yeah, there are mistakes I, in him. I think, um, I think yeah. as a raw talent, I think he's actually better than Harry Darling. I generally do. Um, I think his to play that to play that role, he actually needs to play. I think he's got the more natural ability and mental ability to play that role better than Darling. It's just about can he actually achieve what he's got in the locker, and the hope is that he can here. Um, and, and progress on his actual passing and if he needs to do that progressive running because I think long passing is brilliant short passing definitely needs some work and maybe that's because stats wise didn't really need to at Gillingham but you know it's, so that's the thing you, yeah. you say stats need work but he's, he's not he's not been instructed to play short at yeah of course yeah. He's only, I mean and if he's doing it he's going 10 yards square to his centre half or he's going 10 yards back to his keeper or 10 yards out wide to a wing back so it's it's not the most tenuous or strenuous of um <laughs> tasks for any type of professional footballer with any type of ability but I can't see why he can't progress yeah there's so much potential there um, whether he's good enough to go Premier League like people were talking about a couple of years ago remains to be seen there's, there's still elements that he definitely has to work on like I say that'd be one of be just making sure that he stays on switched on at, at key times and doesn't take risks that he does need, doesn't need to take um, in terms of defending though yeah, you've got yeah. a very, very decent League One centre-back already with the potential to improve further. And he doesn't miss a lot of game time. 87 minutes yeah. per game was his average over 137 appearances with us. So I'm not sure. He's, I don't think he's ever been sent off. Can't recall a red card. Uh, missed a couple of games for accumulation of yellow cards, but, but what centre-back doesn't? So mm. barely injured. Yeah, nice and reliable. What, what, what you want from a centre back, really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you want, yeah. this is the thing, isn't it? And the game's changed. I mean, I, I, when I talk, I'm a bit older than you. When I was growing up, you just wanted your centre back to kick people, tackle, win headers, and clear it. Whereas now, the game's evolved, and I get that. And you have to, you have to be able to do more. Um, but in terms of having the base there, there's there's plenty to work with. Yeah, thank you very much for the insight into Jack Tucker Mattis. Uh, bring Tucker back onto the podcast. Before no, I appreciate you, it. Because uh, unfortunately, yeah, no I won't be on during the season. Yeah, it's a real shame. But hopefully, you bounce back straight back up. I'm, I'm sure Fingers once crossed. it's uh, all sorted, I'm sure you'll have a good chance of doing that, especially in League Two, because uh, you don't want to be hanging around League Two. That's for sure. No, and I think we've got, um, not, you know, blow smoke up his ass. I think we've probably got the best manager in the division. So. Yeah, but um, before you go, um, let everyone know where they can find all of your great work. Uh, we're on at Jules in the Blood on Twitter. Uh, um, YouTube channel is the same name. Uh, go and check out our pin tweet. We are doing a, a giveaway because I am reaching the grand old age of 40 on the 3rd of July. And I've said that if I can get to 2,000 subscribers on that date, uh, I will um, buy a fan of any football club, not just Gillingham, um, a shirt from their club shop for the new season. Um, so go and check us out. Go and subscribe. Um, yeah, I need League Two fans, so this probably is probably the best <laughs> platform to do it on, unfortunately. But yeah, we're also on Instagram as well, Jules and the Blood TV. Go and check us out. If you don't like football, don't follow it because you'll hate it. Um, but yeah, that's that's the three main platforms, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. Yeah, so make sure you follow Matt on all of those. And yeah, you, know, you might be getting yourself a new Don's Castore uh, kit for the season, which of course everyone's really excited about. So yeah, thank you once again for coming on, Matt. And uh, no worries all the rest all. of the season. Thank you, mate. And you, take care. So, gents, Jack Tucker, what are your thoughts? Obviously, initially, he, well, there's always a chance that he's going to be the Harry Darling replacement here. You know, is the Harry Darling replacement. Joe, what are your thoughts on him overall? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, I think he's definitely not the finished article, of course, but I think there's definitely some potential, definitely potential there. Um, I think we saw as well with Harry Darling, Harry Darling was playing in a team, a, a Cambridge team, where he was averaging something like 10. 15 passes a game and then in his first game at MK he goes and gets 99 passes I think it was so you know I think um, different players in different systems they can be different essentially and uh, Jack Tucker himself in his interview said how he, he does think of himself as being someone that's good with the ball at his feet and wants to play you know with with the ball at his feet um, and you know it's 
one thing I like about it as well is not it's been it was someone that we were in for in January but couldn't get done. And so it's not as if we're just ripping up the rule book. We're, we, you know, it's someone we know about. It's someone we're definitely still wanting to go after. I mean, we saw Jamie coming. You know, if if in January we saw, we got a player from a, a team that's right down the bottom of the table, you could be thinking you could be forgiven for thinking, go, well, he's not really helped them out that much, has he? But actually, when you know different players and different teams, they really can look different essentially. Um, so yeah, solid signing. I doubt he's going to be on. You know. On millions, and I doubt that the fee is going to be huge either. So, yeah, really just nice, simple business. It's almost akin to, you know, when uh, Richard Keogh left, Darling slotted straight in. Now Darling's left. Let's hope Tucker can make a similar impact. Yeah, most definitely. And I think he's, out of all the signs I've made so far, um, technically five. I think this is one of the ones where, as Matt said, really, you know, it's it's hard to see him not do well. Um, I know we shouldn't really be thinking that far ahead in terms of how his session plan is, but when you see the talents that Tugger has shown, Ross, it's, it's hard to see him not fitting in straight away to this Don side. Well, yeah, we obviously Joe, Joe's just alluded to it in the sense of obviously he's quite a positive when he's on the ball. And I think um, with this obviously current system, it's all about taking risks and obviously it's a high risk, high reward scenario. And if Tucker can obviously implement that into his game, it's just going to be positive when he's playing alongside Woz and others. So um, Woz was in a similar situation last year. Obviously, we questioned, obviously, um, I think it was his first season in men's football, I believe. Um, and he he adapted it. He had Well, he had a wobbly start and then he, he eased himself in and now he's one of the most consistent players within the squad. So I'm, I'm seeing Jack Tucker. He's young. He's similar to what Darlin obviously was were. So uh, it'd be interesting to see um, how he produces it in this system. And uh, as you say, he's shone on the poor Jill side. And uh, I believe he was a player of the season um, before this, this year, before, before last, sorry. Yeah, he had a brilliant 2021 season. I think he was one of the shine lights in that team. And of course, I mean, obviously it seems an obvious point to make, but I think he will he will perform better with better players around him. Um and, you know, I think he found it difficult last year to try and have him step up to a team that was ultimately pretty crap, to be honest. So, yeah, I think he'll do well in the heart of that defence and um, really benefit off the the two defenders beside him in terms of Louis and Woz, who can really help him get through certain situations. And, yeah, hopefully he beds in well. But we'll uh, we'll move on to two more players who we're a bit more familiar with in Ethan Robson, Joshua Keckroom. Uh, of course, with Josh, he's signed to stay at the football club um, after you know his contract's about to expire, but he signed on for what we assume is another year, could be longer. Um, but with the age of Josh, you'd imagine it's one year. And um, of course, even Robson also joined back from the club. Of course, he went back to Blackpool for the second half of the season, um, albeit by his side, he wanted to stay, but you know, other factors played into that. So he's now joined back on a free from Blackpool. So, gents, we'll start with with the guy who's stayed at the club, Josh. Um Obviously, pretty positive to have him back. He was a pretty pivotal part in our side towards the end of the season. Of course, his uh, his final game wasn't his finest, but overall, he really stepped up when Matt O'Reilly departed the club um, to join Celtic. So, um, Ross is must be pretty pleasing to get Josh back in the team, back in that midfield where we need numbers at the moment, really. Yeah, I think, obviously, uh, going from last season's success, it was a case of keeping the core of the squad. And I do believe Josh McEachran's part of that core of the squad. Um, and I think personally, um, I don't know about you two gents, um, I believe this is our biggest signer this summer so far. Um, I personally believe once Josh McEachran gets on the pitch and he's on the pitch, there's not many stopping him doing what he does. Um, he's really a big part or cog of this squad. Um, his passing range and... I think his key characteristic in this squad, with it being so, with our team being so young, I think you need an element of calmness and just just to ease when things aren't going your way, just calm everything down. And I think Josh McEachern brings that to the side. Um, and I think there's a bit of, there's maturity to his game, if you want to say that. And um, I think it's definitely a signing which is massively underrated. Yeah, it's interesting point actually. Obviously, his experience is invaluable. Because I think he literally was last season the second most experienced player in the squad besides Lewington. So, but yeah, Joey, what do you reckon? Biggest signing of the summer so far, Josh McEachern? 
I, 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 yeah, I, I, I was just as Ross said that. I was just thinking, do you know what? Actually, yeah. I mean, Tucker, Tucker could be. It's different. The difference between what could they could be in a few years' time, and just in terms of how important they are now. And you know, McEachran as well. Um, he said in his, oh, I can't remember whether it was Manning's interview or when, when he had his interview about his contract. Um, but he was saying how he didn't even have a preseason. And we only really saw Josh McEachran at his best last 10 games of the season once he had, you know, five or five or 10 games to actually get in the swing of things. So having a full summer behind him, you know, I think Manning, uh, it was, yeah, it, um, he was saying, you know, he thinks he can even surpass the form of, um, of this year, of last year, last season. So it's that awkward middle stage, isn't it? Where I don't yeah, know if it was this is, season yeah, or yeah. last season. Um, but yeah, no, really, really happy with it. And, you know, you've got the experience uh, experience element of it as well, and then you know with Ethan Robson, um, if we if we're moving on to Ethan, um, I think at the start of the season it was him that was um, partnering Matt O'Reilly in midfield, and that, those two were basically it was just they, by default those two every week because Kasumu and and Mkhitaryan were out I think at that point, um, and yeah Ethan Robson he's. I think him and Josh McEachran were showing the same dentist. Blimey, it was almost <laughs> blinded watching the interviews. But um, yeah, just he's just a nice bloke as well. Like he, he's a good player, but you know he, he came down for Blackpool um, to, for the awards evening, and he was saying you know he really wanted the deal to get done. And you know obviously he he he, he um, stayed at the club he was contracted at, and he couldn't do much about it. But the fact that he was you know, it was it, it was done so early. It just shows he didn't want to mess around. He knew what he wanted. And, you know, just to have people around that genuinely want to be there is something that's really, really quite good and invaluable. And by all, by, by all accounts, he made just as big a, of an impact off the pitch as he did on the pitch. And also, he's you know, he's 25. So he's coming into the sort of the peak ages of, of his career. And so I think, again, he's not necessarily old, but he's... You know, sort of that mid-range player that maybe we've lacked in recent years. We've had quite a few that are maybe over 30, you know, when you look at Sermon, Jerome, Lewington. Um, but we've not really had many sort of like the Moeser age or the uh, the Ethan Robson age. So, yeah, no, re- really big fan of, of uh, him coming back. And, you know, it's, it, it almost doesn't feel like a new signing, but it is, which is, is good. It's just building on, on last season. Yeah, it's quite invaluable actually having people who want to play for the club. I think it's such a thing that you can't really put... Well, it is, it's, yeah, it's invaluable, as I said. And, you know, it's, I think this time, you know, he got into squad by our injuries, really. But I think this time with, of course, Matty Smith there already doing really good things for Wales at the moment. Of course, um, Josh coming back, who you'd like to think will be starting week in, week out, really based his performance last season. You know, he doesn't have to compete for his place, Ross, and that. Uh, you know, the fact that he still wants to come here and really fight for it and fight for the club is a, a massive positive thing, really. Oh, it's, it's huge. And I think he, he it's without obviously throwing shade at him, I don't think he's, he's, he's like, he's one of those where he's man of the match each week, but he does the basic principles or fundamentals of the game so well. And I think sometimes you take that for advantage. Um, especially the dirty side of the game. I know, obviously, Kasumu, um, Kasumu, when he's on the pitch, does it all the time. Um, but I think some teams in this league, um, you can have all these high-profile players, but if, if they don't do the other side of the game, it's, it's obviously um, come the later later on in the season, you're going to be exposed for it. And I think just obviously highlighting, obviously, his previous loan spell, um, you can see his whole demeanour of his positive is is happy he's happy here and it, it just shows on the pitch and I think if you've got a happy footballer it's it's, it's a hard thing to have in in the change rooms a, a lot of the time and um, yeah I'm I'm really excited to see him back on the on the field for sure. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to seeing him play. I'm sure throughout pre-season and going into the opening weekend on the 30th of July. I suppose we'll move on to the other two signings that we haven't spoken about yet, who are both new players to us. Um, one much more new than the other in, in Matt Dennis, and a player who has been signed from Norwich City permanently, who was at South End last season. Um, fair to say, this was actually the first signing of the window. Um, it happened a few weeks ago now, so uh, speaking about it now is a bit strange. But um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that this is the sign that we need the most sort of expertise on. And fortunately for you guys, we got that through the views of um, Sam, who's a good friend of mine and also a Southend fan. 
So, um, yeah, I spoke to Sam regarding a bit about Matt Dennis and what his thoughts are on it all. So I'll let you take it away on that point. Welcome back to our Room Focus series. We'll be focusing on all of MK Don's transfer signings. Of course, we had a first summer transfer signing this week in the form of Matt Dennis from Norwich City. A permanent move. He was at Southend United last season and I thought who better than to get Sam Goody, a Southend United fan, to come onto the podcast and chat everything about Matt. So, Sam, how are you doing? I'm not too bad. How are you? Yeah, all right. So it's been a nice, nice weekend so far. Obviously, couldn't do it now, but um, yeah, look forward to chatting about Matt, basically. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, obviously, Matt was a. I'll speak to you about off recording. To Sam and Matt was a name that I don't think anyone really has heard before or even mentioned in terms of the transfer rumours going round. Of course, he was at Southend last season on loan from Norwich. In a in a very overview perspective, tell us a bit about Matt and how you see him as a player. So we brought him in, I remember seeing him on trial right at the start of the season under Phil Brown and kind of thought he was just one of those trialists, he'd crop up and you wouldn't really hear from him again. Um, Ended up coming in and kind of played a few games at the start under Brown and then just disappeared for a while. Um, You know, I've got, got his stats up and there's a period kind of six odd league games around October where he wasn't in the squad at all. Um, a lot of stuff happened behind the scenes. Brown went, um, new coaching staff comes in. And I think it was really more the kind of a bit of luck that um, around Christmas time, he came on in a cup game uh, with about 20 minutes left, scored a really good goal. And interestingly, it was the only goal I think he scored that wasn't on the highlight video against huh. Dorking Wanderers. It's worth having a look at because it's a really great goal. Um, kind of scored that. And then in the week leading up to our next league game, uh, our main striker was in, uh, I think he was ill and it gave Dennis the chance to start a game on Boxing Day, which he then scored in. And then when you look at his league stats, he went on a run from Boxing Day to kind of mid-February where he was just scoring every single week and kind of really began to turn heads and, you know, just every week it seemed like he'd pop up with the goal um, and then kind of just tailed off towards the end of the season, which left just a lot of us wondering kind of what, what player is he? Is he that one that we saw in that six-week spell where he was absolutely on fire? Or is he kind of just a real flash in the pan, which kind of made this move, I thought, quite an interesting one to see. Yeah, I think the overall consensus from not only Aston's fans, but really every sort of main EFL account that referred to this news, because was was surprised. Um, I said, they, as you mentioned, Samuel, they saw that he saw his sort of form um, one part of the season and actually tailed off a bit and people were kind of, uh, that's strikes question marks, red flags, etc. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of position, obviously position was one of the, the key questions that came up. I think for me personally, watching how I've watched this Don's team this past season, I do see him more of a winger. Um, and obviously you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I've seen the majority of the time when he was at Southend, he was on the wing in some senses. Of course, he played games up front, but it was kind of a mix. So from your perspective, is he does he is he a winger or a striker, basically, if I'm asking you? It's one of those interesting ones. I think mainly I'd refer to, kind of when I refer to his style of play position, I'd look at that spell where he was scoring goals because that's kind of the, the sample you want to take forward. And we were playing 3-4-3, three, three, so wing-backs. And then he was playing as one of what you would call the wingers in the three up front with a big man up top and then kind of two wingers feeding off him. But I wouldn't really say he was playing up front and I wouldn't really say he was playing wing either. It was like he wasn't like wide, like kind of like hug the touchline wide. Because if you watch the highlight video, as I've mentioned previously, all the goals you'll see in that in the league games are him being in the box, you know, snapping up goals. You know, I think there's, two in one game against Barnet where the keeper like threw two to him basically from 10 yards out and he's just finishing. And like so many of his goals are right place, right time. If I was putting him into a box, it would be more winger than striker. He certainly struggled a bit more. We had a shift to three, five, two kind of at the start of that kind of uh, more down spell for him when we lost our biggest striker because of injury. Um, And he kind of drifted out a little bit more. So I'd say he was most effective kind of out wide, but he wasn't what I would call an out-and-out winger, like like I said, like hug the touchline, uh, kind of going in between 
fullback and outside centre back is probably where he mostly did his work. But if I was kind of going for one over the other, I'd say winger more than striker. That's interesting. So he was more of like an inside forward in some senses. That, um, that's where I'd put him for that for that kind of best period he had. Yeah. Yeah, that actually that's um that's very interesting because we had a player called um Theo Corbenu who was on loan from Wolves last season. Really, really explosive player. I can tell he has a lot of talent. He was operating on the right hand side of a 3-4-3. And he was more of a natural winger, so he'd stick to the byline, cross it in, and to be fair, he was quite a decent player. So maybe I think when you when you refer to Matt like that way, maybe he's more he's a kind of replacement for Theo in some senses, but he's more of a direct replacement. So he's when I say direct, I mean getting into the box and having shots rather than crossing it in. So that's an interesting point from there. Would you say he operates more of a free roam role then rather than a direct position based off what you were saying? Yeah, I, we never kind of really had a set formation last year. We had the kind of first part of the season under Brown where he played right wing back for a while. Now, I know he was a right wing back coming through, but we kind of signed him as forward. I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't listen to anything Phil Brown does and take it based on that second spell with us. But then it kind of it moved about a bit. And, um, you know, I, I brought up his page on Transfer Market and you can see the position that it says he's playing. He's moving all about. Um, I certainly think the most effective was not really kind of putting him into a position, more feeding off of a striker, making runs through and from all the all the positions we've discussed inside forward would make the most sense to me but it's not something that i could easily kind of put a tag on of course. so i think free roam kind of really does make the most sense to me there yeah i think um michael fell over there <laughs> i um i think the theme of this on team is is really versatility i think that has been for a little while now so i think matt as you mentioned kind of screams that in some sense with the positions that he has played uh, for you guys i suppose one of the one of the big questions that came up was obviously a lot of his appearances last season i think a good 12 to 13 of them were off the bench so i know he had the whole manager situation whole coach staff changes but do you think he's a player who can play a full 90 week in, week out, or is he more of an impact sub? That would be one of my biggest concerns if I was bringing him in. The um, Again, if you look at the minutes he's playing each week, that throughout the whole season, and even in this spell where he's on red-hot form, scoring every week, he's not playing 90 week in, week out. And I put part of that, kind of at the start of that run, quite often during games, he'd be cramping up after 70 minutes or so. And for a while, I was, you know, you can put that down to, well, he's been out of the squad for ages, you know, for whatever reason that is, lacking a bit of match fitness. But then when you're someone who is, I think he was 19 when he was with us, I think, he's around that age. And for cramping at that age, it's not what you want to see. And fitness was certainly a concern. You look through and I think... I did look before we started and it's something like four 90 minutes last season. He only completed yeah. four times. And that was something that we were kind of really concerned with. Cause I think in those games he was coming off or playing the 90 and just losing so much effectiveness at the back end of the game. And perhaps it's something that with a better setup, kind of higher level, Perhaps that will come with time, but that would be one of my biggest concerns, which is the fitness. Can he do 90 regularly, which the season for us would suggest potentially no? Yeah, that, that, that is a bit of a concern, actually. I, I think that, yeah, it's, it's always difficult going from non-league to professional. And, and some would say non-league is pretty professional these days, especially in the fifth tier. And that would he take the opportunity more seriously? Uh, MK, I mean, not just for South End, but obviously with the managerial situations, it was a very hostile atmosphere the whole season. And of course, he got his opportunity later on. But yeah, it's it's a very interesting one. And I think that I think our fan base has put a lot of faith into the recruitment team and really have trust in what they're doing, who the players are bringing in. And I think that this one in particular, especially being the first one, bear in mind that the first side in last summer was Scott's Wine. Um, this is this is the big one and it, I think it kind of shows where they're going to be heading in terms of recruitment and it's uh maybe it's high risk high reward type situations yeah so no pressure on him then to be Scott Twine exactly yeah exactly <laughs> he's, he's done all right and he's not too bad at all 
a question came in from um Joey does a podcast myself and, and Ross and um uh, Rob Lewis also on on socials was that what area you mentioned a few areas but what what one area of, of Matt's game do you think needs the most improvement and why I think it's what we've talked about I think it's the fitness yeah because so often you feel like he loses impact kind of when you once you get to 60 65 and you're seeing him cramping up or you know just really not being able to sustain the you know chasing up front or anything like that that is what concerns you so much that he's doing that and if he can sort that out and be you know a nightmare for defenders for an entire 90 minutes it's going to make him so much more of an asset but when you look at him and you think he's a you know first half or 60 minutes player, can you rely on that? And then if you're relying on him as a kind of bench impact sub, if he can't get into games, if he struggles to get into games, what use have you got from him? That that's and I know it's just going over the point we've talked about already, but for someone who has the tools, that would be my real concern, which is how regularly can you rely on him to kind of get through games? be there when you need him. And from our point of view, that answer was perhaps not as often as we'd have wanted it to be. Very, very interesting. And I suppose the last question from myself and a few people was that let's say all the issues are resolved, he's you know, fit and firing next season, and he's getting, he's getting regular games. What do you reckon his ceiling is in terms of English football? Do you reckon he can go right to the top or what, what, what do you reckon? That's an interesting question because... I said to you before we started, the move surprised me. And yeah. I don't think it's necessarily because I don't think he's good enough for that level. Or, you know, I it was just a real kind of surprise to me. And when I've discussed it with some people, my thoughts on it were that I think any football coach thinks they can improve any player. And when you watch what he can do, you can see there's talent there because... For someone who is still young, still learning, and actually, I think, as I've mentioned previously, he only moved to a forward position kind of a few years ago. He's not been playing there for long. He has something that I don't think you can really teach in a striker, which is the ability to be in the right place at the right time. And so many of the goals in that hot streak for us were him being there, you know, keeper spills, he's there to finish, you know, ball in, he's there at the back post ready to tap it home. And if he can bring that forward, I mean, he is very quick. Like you can tell, you can tell from the highlights. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a few assists last season where he's just kind of like burst from or goals where he's burst from in his own half and he's just gone. And if you can kind of harness that, use the, the pace, he's got the ability to score goals because he's shown that in that, in that run he went on. And uh, right now, do I think he'd kind of be a 46-game starter in League One? I'd be surprised if he did it this coming season. Um, my immediate reaction to the signing was perhaps they'll loan him out for a year. Whether that's the plan, I I don't know. For now, I guess you've got to kind of see what happens. Do I think he can excel at that level? Definitely. He's got the tools and he's definitely not kind of done growing as a player. It's just a question of can he bring it all together and become as good as we've seen in that kind of, you know, eight-game snippet or whatever and not what we've seen in other spells he's been uh, playing for us. Yeah, because I think the club mentioned that obviously a lot of EFL clubs had Matt on their radar. Would you Do you reckon though, they would have been like League 2 teams as opposed to League 1 and Championship? If you'd have asked me, I'd have said yes. Okay. That, I think I think the overwhelming thought would have been that it would probably be a League Two team, but then when you hear about MK Dons, who are kind of you know got a good reputation for building up, you know, good youth academy, coaching, all that stuff, it kind of made sense as a signing. It's just right now I would be surprised personally if it was a signing for we need him to play a big role this season. Yeah, I think that's the question on everyone's lips. You know, can he impact this season? And of course, you know, you've heard it here first from Sam that might take a bit of time. But um, Sam, thank you very much for getting onto the podcast. So you've got a lot more insight on Matt than we do. So we really appreciate you coming on and giving that insight to us. No problem. Thank you for having me.
no worries. And make sure you check out Sam on Twitter at SamGoody23. Okay, gents, Matt Dennis. Probably, I think this is one name that I didn't really hear too much about until he actually signed the dotted line and was announced by the club. Uh, Ross, obviously a young, a young lad, but a young lad who seems to got a lot of potential and one who could hopefully contribute a bit this season, if not a lot more. Yeah, it certainly is a very intriguing signing. Um, as you say, he's young. Um, but from his highlights, I guess, obviously, we, we can only take from um, opposition fans and the, the highlight reel which the club put together. It seems like he's he's one to get at defenders and uh, take on his man out wide. Um, I do believe he, he probably will play out wide. I, I don't see him as the, the, the main striker. Um but he seems like a uh, he's very physical and a strong lad. So when it comes to the one one on one scenarios, it it will probably go in his favour. And um, it's certainly a sign I'm, I'm I'm intrigued by. But in the same sense, I don't know whether he's he's a signing which will be getting into the first eleven each week. I'm I'm not too sure. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, I think for me, he's probably a bit too raw, but. A bit like Lewis Johnson, maybe. I think pre-season will have a lot to say about that. Um, I think it's fair to say that any any loan signings, any loan forward signings we do get, if any, will be late in the window. Um, I know it's been quite a lot rumoured, but I don't see them getting lined out straight away. Um, and I think maybe maybe other players need to leave for other players to come in in terms of that forward area. So, you know, we're, we're looking at, at a situation where we're going to have to rely on these young lads like you know, Dennis, probably Johnson, um, and even Nathan Holland, the new lad, who's just coming in, we'll talk about in a bit, to contribute early on and get those games under the belt. So, Joe, I think pre-season might always, always important, but I feel this pre-season, especially for one, a player like Matt, is quite an important one, really. Probably the biggest ever, really, in some senses. Yeah, I think um, th- this signing, when I thought this signing, I thought straight away, this is the sort of signing that Peterborough would make, that our fans have been begging for us to make for years a non-league striker yeah well there we go we've gone and got one so let's see let's see how it goes and um i think um you know i think he's got some really good qualities you look, look at as you say look at the highlight reel sometimes he just appear i think um your, your, the, your friend we just had on he, he was saying about how he's got the knack of being in the right place and that's something you don't really teach Add to that some amazing physical attributes. Like I think there was one on one on the highlight reel where he, it was almost like Chucks, where he just kicked the ball and the guys are like, "Yeah, no chance of keeping up with him." Um, and those sort of things you, you can't just teach. Um, and I think he, he's played in the middle and he can play off off one off one of the wings as well. And it'll be you know depending on what system we go into the season, and you know he he, he can be quite a versatile. Definitely make an impact later on in games, which, you know, I think he's going to be that Charlie Brown sort of player for the first year, first season at least. And but I think what, you know, Charlie Brown, he was great technically and he did, did amazing at youth level. But what was the one thing that, you know, Charlie Brown maybe didn't have and made that's, that's a presence. And I think you think of how successful Max Waters was. And yeah, Max Waters, let's face it, he wasn't the most technical technically gifted and sometimes you know his passes or his touches might not quite be there but what Max Waters did have was you know good movement and a turn of pace which and a work rate which a lot of people just couldn't keep up with and which is why ultimately he went back to play for Cardiff in the championship so yeah I think it's it's a signing of something that we lost I think after um after Waters left we did lose that sort of physicality and pace and that forward line um, so yeah, really exciting to see what he can do. But I, as, again, I'm not expecting 20 goals this year from him. I'm expecting 30. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. The signs are, are quite good, and um, definitely one that I think we're going to have to be patient with. But certainly has some of the tools to be successful. Yeah, and who knows? Like if if he if he gets his preseason, has a good preseason, gets a few goals in his belt, who knows where it takes him? Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's it's good to be a bit cautious on this one and just sort of see how he gets on, basically. Um, I'm sure if everyone who goes to like the Carabao games, Papa John's games, I'll see a bit of him this season. And um, I'll definitely think we've got Cheltenham and Warsaw in our group so far. So I'll try and go to one or two of those to see what he looks like. But yeah, it's intriguing starting and hopefully he develops. I'm sure he will develop quite nicely under that coach's staff that we've currently got in place. 
Finally, um, Nathan Holland signed today, which is a really, really exciting signing. Um, a guy who I've liked for years, really. Um, he plays left wing. Um, he's been at several clubs, but Oxford's been the most recent one. Got, I think he was got 10 goal contributions last season for Oxford in the league, but I think he was top six in the league for like goal any sequences for 16 in total for the season. So, you know, whilst he got those 10 goal contributions for Oxford, he could add a lot more and probably should add a lot more in terms of stat-wise. So, that shows the impact that he does have on the pitch and as Joe said he's um he's a younger lad but he kind of falls in that Ethan Robson range of age um where you know it's not a not a incredibly young lad like Matt Dennis but it's also not a, a more aging player or a more experienced player like like Josh McEachran potentially is so yeah really a starting player plays his head up which is what you want really from a winger um and I suppose that if he I suppose it's a, a position in left wing which I mean, it's looking like it's going to come more vacant by each day, to be honest. But it's a player who I feel has really high potential and it's about giving him the game time to reach his seed. And I feel that, you know, by the, by, by Manning signing him and putting him in a squad, I think he does get that game time. So it'd be interesting to see how he develops for the Dons. But Ross, obviously, just been announced today, Nathan Hollands, um, signing on a free from West Ham. What were your immediate thoughts when you saw that this morning? Well, obviously, you, you know, Liam, I, I messaged you back late May um, when Holland did get released and I put, I, I put the eyes emoji and uh, I knew I knew something was probably going to be going on uh, in League One. Um, everyone's scrambling around for him and um, he's, he's, I, I do really like this signing. Um, and obviously, I haven't seen much, much of him, but um, I've heard good things about him. Um, and obviously, him previously working under Manning's very ideal. Um, obviously, he hasn't hit the ground running um, that much recently, but I, I do feel like, obviously, under the current management, he can have a massive impact in this team. Um, and there's no reason why he can't. Um, he's quick, he's agile, and he likes to get get, get at his man. And um, as you say, Liam, if he gets the game time, I'm, I'm pretty sure he will flourish in this team. Yeah, I'm already pitching the long balls from second to uh, Holland already. So I, I can't wait to watch it those times this season. But um, Joe, what, what were your thoughts on when you saw Nathan um, in the announcement this morning? Yeah, I, I, I really like it. And it must be the first out-and-out -out winger we've signed in bloody years. Uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, Manning did say in his interview that they're, they're working on some things and some changes that maybe he couldn't put in halfway through a season. So whether that's formation change or something we don't know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but it's, you know, it's a good option to have. And if you look at his Oxford stats, um, I think it was 21 starts he had and he got 10 goal contributions. So, you know, a goal contribution every other game. Yeah, I'll take that. You know, that's it's 20 over a season if you play pretty much a full season. Um, and I think he's had, you know, troubles with injuries. I've got a couple of mates at Sport West Ham and they're saying, you know, they remember him when he was 19 and on the verge of the first team. So, you know, it's not as if this bloke's just come out of thin air and done nothing for the last few years. He's just, it's just one of them where he's just failed to really get going. And I remember a player a few years ago, uh, Ben Akifobi. Uh, he had like five or six loan spells and he was pretty bang average at all of them. Comes to us and he scored 20 goals by Christmas and he's gone up, he's been sold to five million or whatever to Wolves. You know, sometimes a player just needs a home, they just need consistency and then they catch on fire in a good way. Um, so, yeah, let's hope to. And who better than his uh, under-23s gaffer, at which point he was on the verge of the first team. Um, so, you know, there you go. And the last guy we got from West Ham's academy in January wasn't bad either. So, um, yeah, so MK Hammers, I'm all for it. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's a very good player, and I can't wait to watch him in a Don shirt. I said earlier, he's um, yeah, he's very exciting. Actually, I'm very excited about this one. So hopefully, he can uh, get the get the ball rolling straight away, and uh, I'm sure he'll be starting a lot of games this season for us for sure. But yeah, no, it's brilliant to get all those numbers in midfield. I know Holland and Dennis aren't necessarily midfielders, but um, McKechnie and Robson certainly are. And obviously, with the situation with Kasumi playing out as it is right now, um, it's good to have those numbers there and have at least, well, two stars and a backup if if sort of needed in that and the word in that way to go into pre-season with and going to all this testing with. And uh, yeah, hopefully we have a, a fully fledged midfield by the first pre-season game on the 5th of July against Russian and Diamonds. But gents, final topic of tonight. I know we've got 
we're recording this the eve of uh, fixture release day. I know we've got a lot of fixtures coming out uh, tomorrow with uh, the, every the competition. Everyone loves Papa John's trophy, uh, the fixtures for that. Of course, the Carabao Cup first round and League One schedule. Um, obviously, we asked all you guys what the fixtures, what you'd like to see. I know there's a lot of shouts for Fleetwood away. Uh, of course, um, there's just probably a good chance it's going to be an away game. I know there's this whole women's Euros happening at Milton Keynes. So, and semi-finals, I think it's the 27th of um, July. So, obviously, that's cutting it very fine to our first game of the season. So, um, there's, there's a pretty good chance our first game is away from home this season. Um, I, th- I think Port Vale is uh, the best answer from Dole. I, I do think, um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that it's a, a shit away day, quite frankly, because I'm, I'm in hungry for the, I'm going to miss it. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm just. Can I just take over here? Port Vale is not a bad away day. It's no, I mean like that. I, no, Port Vale is really good away day. I'm saying I'm hoping it's a bad away day for you boys that are going because uh, oh, you boys and guys that are going because I'm not there. No, Port Vale's oh, a brilliant away day. I was going to say, yeah, it's I fantastic. We were slating Port Vale as a no, day no, 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 it's no. It's one Port of the nicer, nicest parts of the country. <laughs> no, I responded to Dol saying it's, that, that is the correct answer because no, Port Vale oh, is, yeah. is the best away day. Um, but no, some of us Charlton's got popular got ones. Yeah, no, Charlton's popular one, and I saw people guess um guess Charlton. Um, I think I saw Wickham in there as well. I thought, fucking, I'm not a Wickham again, please, no thanks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what I mean, let's say it's an away day, gents. It's going to be a away day, probably. What What are your preferences, Joe? Is it Port Vale for you? Or is it another one? Yes, and I've got some criteria for this as well. I'm not going to be going for Sheffield Wednesday or Derby or Barnsley. My criteria is one somewhere that's fairly close but not too close my other criteria is doable by train and also somewhere where we'll take a decent amount to because you know Morecambe would be brilliant but we're probably only going to be taking 300 yeah so you know want at least six eight hundred there and my third criteria be fairly winnable game so I've whittled it down to three um, so in third place I've gone Port Vale away in second place, I've gone Charlton away and top of the tree for me, Burton away. Oh. Beat that. Go on. You know, it'd be nice to have Burton at 3pm this time, actually, instead of a, was it, quarter to eight oh, last time? Oh, yes, please. Ross, what do you reckon? Um, I think, I think obviously, uh, no matter how, how, how we want the fixtures to end up, we'll probably end up, as you say, Liam, on the count earlier with probably Shrewsbury away. We'll probably lose one one nil. Oh. Like typical, Again, typical season opener. Um, yeah, no, but I, I, if if I had it my way, I'd probably want to go Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, oh, don't jinx it, please. No, no, nothing better than obviously uh, packed out uh, Hillsborough uh, being silenced by. Um, well, I'm I'm hoping uh, by a Don's masterclass, um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind Barnsley either. Um, but obviously. If Joe wants a close uh, local one, well, for trains wise, I guess if Derby are still up, I, I wouldn't mind that either. No one fancies to me probably. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, see, you, you want the big ones, and I want. I just want. I've got my criteria laid out very clearly. <laughs> Different priorities. <laughs> Yeah, I was quite surprised we got no answer to Plymouth away. Um, but I mean, see, I want Exeter to be a Saturday because no. I've not actually been. I, there's only three grounds I've not done in the league. So, um, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Exeter's not all right. Forest Green, not Forest Green. I think, what is there any teams you guys don't want? Not for me, Wickham and Plymouth. Cheltenham, it's a bit of a meh. Yeah, Cheltenham, uh, not great. It's yeah, all right, it's all right, but. It's, it's not one which will get me excited. For, yeah. And Bolton away as well. I can't be doing that again. <laughs> it always rains when we go there as well. Yeah. And we haven't got Hiram to save us this time either. I know. What are and we going to do? Coach. <laughs> and, and if we do, you just know that, I don't know, Preston are going to point man in three days before the season starts. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, no, I think I think we'll all be keeping a close eye on that at 9 a.m. tomorrow to see who we get. Um, I'm praying that it's a bad away day, please. I, if, I, if I miss Sheffield Wednesday away, I'm going to be fuming, absolutely fuming. If I missed it last season, I can't miss it again. Um, but you know, it'd be good to see um, who we get in that. I think, Car- who can, I mean, Carroll Cup, this bit. Of, I mean, if you get an away day for that, that'd be nice, but it's, it's midweek, isn't it? Can we get day, championship so. teams in that? We can, can't we? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Sure oh, just uh, I'll tell you what. I either want a really crap League Two team so we get through to the next round, or a, just just get it over with and give us someone like I don't know Burnley or Watford or just yeah, someone like that. Yeah, a new a new ground would be decent. I think for anyone hasn't been, but yeah, say so for people that haven't done Port Vale away or Morecambe away, um, do it this season because you'll enjoy it. It's both quality away days, so uh, you don't miss out on those two. They're good, underrated. Okay, that rounds us off. Got nicely for the end of the episode. Bit of a longer one, but a lot of news to go through uh, tonight. And I'm assuming next time we speak to you guys, there'll be a lot to go through also, and probably some pre-season to talk about also. But uh, until then. Enjoy the nice weather and come on, you dons. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.